Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is going on? Honestly, not much. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's stuff going on in the NFL. That's that's the exciting part of uh, – when was the last time you've heard of somebody using the non-exclusion tag, especially when it comes to a quarterback? Yeah, that's pretty surprising. I feel like those reports for Lamar Jackson were coming out over the last week or 48 hours, the combine talk, what's happening in Indy, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. And that conversation started what they're going to do in Baltimore. And a little surprising, I guess, when you go into the offseason that they didn't get a multi-year contract done. But at the same time, this could what do you what do you think about Baltimore's front office and Lamar Jackson right now? I don't think they really want to pay him that much. I think this is Baltimore putting the chips on the table, basically telling Lamar, you can't get the deal you want, and we'll prove that to you, and letting him go talk to other teams, try to get the deal he wants. The thing is, we don't know what he wants. Does he want the fully guaranteed deal? Does he just want to be paid like he's an elite quarterback? Does he just want four or five years? And they're not giving him that. I don't know. So it'll be interesting. I mean, the thing is, you have to give up your next two first round picks to sign him. To me, that seems like, yeah, go do that. Because it's it's your picks, too. So if you're San Francisco, which I don't think they I don't think they have a first round pick uh, because of the Trey Lance trade. So they would have to wait, I think. And, but Miami as well. But if you think you're a contender or if you are a contender and you just don't have a quarterback, why aren't you making this deal? Two late first-round picks for Lamar Jackson? I'd do it if I didn't have a quarterback. And then you look at – like, man, I don't think they will. But it just seems like such an opportunity for, like, a Detroit to do this because they almost made the playoffs. So it's not like some great first-round pick that's theirs. I think they have the Rams, which is a really good one. Keep that. <laughs> you get to keep that. And then you give up yours this year and next year. And they have such a good offensive line. They've got some weapons. You hope the defense will be better. But we just looking at the offense, it's a great offensive line, some weapons, Lamar, and then an offensive coordinator that designs a really nice run game and is just overall pretty creative. So that's that's what I'd like to see happen, but I don't think happens. Um, 
And then when you look at teams like Carolina, do they want to give up what is an early pick this year and then maybe an early pick next year? I would if I was them, but I can see why they might not be into that. Why are you willing to trade two first-round picks to move up and select like Will Levis, but you're not willing to do that for Lamar Jackson? I know there's money involved, and that's probably a big deal of it, but look, man, (laughs) this is a sure thing. At worst, he's good. And at best, if you've got everything correct around him, He's an MVP. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, I just feel like it's a relationship that can't get fixed right now because it felt like when you hear Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter talk about it over the last few days when they were going to wait till the very end, I think they announced it about an hour before the deadline uh, for the franchise tag that, you know, they were still trying. They were down in Miami or they were down in Florida trying to talk to Lamar Jackson and, and possibly get a multi-year deal done, but just really felt like they weren't getting anywhere for, for both sides. And I don't blame Lamar Jackson for trying to get his worth. I mean, you see these quarterbacks out there, Daniel Jones, um, getting paid today I mean just absolutely insane and we'll get more to that and what it means for Joe Burrow and his contract extension but at the same time um yeah it's a little surprising and I agree with you I think Baltimore is playing the game of because they can match what other teams are offering Mm -hmm. and another team comes up and says hey we're going to give you this this guaranteed but it won't be a fully guaranteed contract well Mark Jackson has yet to publicly say that he wanted a fully guaranteed contract it's been the rumors out there on social media but he has yet to really say it um on anything confirmed um at least via twitter or nfl network it's just the assumption and i don't blame him he wants to get paid like a, a probably top five quarterback or a top 10 quarterback in the nfl so i feel like baltimore is going to say hey we'll let those other teams come up and say that we're going to give you this or we're going to give you that. And then Baltimore will feel like "Mm, we can match that. Or maybe Baltimore gave a better offer. Um, But at this point, it just feels like there's really no return. And Lamar Jackson doesn't want to play on that franchise tag year another year. Absolutely not. Um, It's tough. I I don't know. It's non-exclusion. If they match, does Lamar have to play for Baltimore? That's not some. That's something I'm not 100% sure on. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and as we're recording right now, I'm looking that up. But I want to say if he does okay. not play, gets fined. So let me. I just meant, um, yeah. If Baltimore, if he's able to sign the, the fifty million dollars, four years low guarantees and the Ravens match that he has to stay in Baltimore. Like it's not up to him because he's not, he's not truly a free agent, right? He's still under that tag. So that's one thing I'm not 100% sure on um, because I don't think Lamar would want to stay with a team that's willing to put the non-exclusion tag on him and not make him, you know, you are the guy we want, you know, you're the guy for this team. Instead it's, you can't get that money somewhere and we don't care if you can, uh, because you know, we'll, we'll match what we're willing to match. Yeah. But I don't know. That's a, that's the interesting thing. It's uh, I, I think this is going to be a fun few weeks until this gets figured out. I just, The Atlanta one is the one that kills me because they're already saying they're out. But Atlanta was like second in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, which was at least two first round picks and a big contract. So to do that with a guy who's never been as good as Lamar Jackson, who had 26 open cases of sexual assault is kind of disgusting. I don't understand that, but whatever. I've, I've seen the excuses of, oh, they're going to take a quarterback this year. We'll see. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know if that's better than getting a Lamar Jackson, but sure. And then I saw somebody else say they're tanking. They're going to go for um, the Caleb Williams. Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams next year. They're going for that number one pick. It's like that coach squeezes the most lemon juice out of his batch of lemons in the entire, I don't know, NFC. Like he, I'm not saying he's the best coach. I'm saying you could give him, I don't know, well, what he has, one of the worst rosters in the league, and he'll find a way to win seven games. 
So you're probably not winning that. It's the Brian Flores uh, in Miami where they tried. <laughs> they gave him a terrible roster. Illegally. <laughs> they tried le- illegally, legally. They did everything they could. They traded Tunsil. They traded Minka. They sent all the players who were good away. And he still squeezed out enough wins so that they couldn't get Burrow. No, I agree with that. And that's the thing. The Ravens have a really good defense. So I still feel like, you know, of course, being without Lamar Jackson is going to be a big deal. Uh, but I don't see them as being a team that's going to be able to tank and get. Oh, I'm at the Falcons with that. Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking about the Ravens because there has been, you know, speculation or like, oh, if this year, you know, they, they get rid of. I've heard that too. Lamar Jackson. I'm like, no, they still have a really talented defense. So they're not going to be one of those teams that wins like one game next and year. And John Harbaugh. Yeah. He'll win games. The only time I've seen him not win games is what Flacco went down. They had Ryan Mallet in. It was a very weird year, and uh, they didn't do well. <laughs> but yeah. other than that year, I they I feel like they're always competing. Yeah, it, it's it's wild because you know you look around the NFL and you can look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you can look at the Cincinnati Bengals, um, you know any of the teams in the playoffs. You have a top quarterback. I mean, look at the AFC alone when it comes to the playoffs this past year. Uh, if Lamar Jackson would have been healthy, I mean, adding him to the list in the AFC playoff picture, it was insane. Uh, and and it's important if you have a franchise guy, you're going to win games. You're going to be contenders every year. That is the difference maker. It's a quarterback league, so it is surprising because one of the things we heard right before we recorded around 6 p.m. It's out there. A lot of the NFL insiders, Atlanta's out, Panthers are out right now. Uh, Tampa might be out, Commanders might be out, and it's just a little wild to think, especially in the NFC where if you get a franchise quarterback right now, Aaron Rodgers might be out the door and going to the Jets. You can you can take it on. You have a really legit shot of winning the NFC right now because it is loaded over on the AFC side. So for me personally, I was really surprised to hear all these teams right away say they weren't interested. But at the same time, I keep thinking maybe behind the scenes, it's it doesn't do a team any benefit to say I have interest in Lamar Jackson right now because the number's only going to go up between all of these teams. But your example is perfect because the Deshaun Watson race last year was insane between some of the teams, and it's still crazy that he got the guaranteed contract. Um, and Atlanta was one of the teams, and they were one of the here today that that they might be out of it. So, yeah, the Lamar Jackson stuff is going to be uh, something to watch over the next 24, 48 hours, even if we get into free agency, um, if we hear more from, from some of those teams, because he can't be a happy camper to go back to Baltimore. It just feels like that uh, marriage is over for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But, hey, it could be wrong. Um, it just doesn't feel like he will be returning to Baltimore. But we'll I, Yeah, I, I don't – he could. But it feels like this is kind of a uh, we don't value situation. Qu- two questions. One, how bad do you feel if you're a Saints fan? Who just signed Derek Carr? <laughs> and then Lamar it's, over. it's it's the newest model of Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah, they went for the newest model of Andy Dalton, and then Lamar Jackson's available. So if I'm a Saints fan, I'm pretty upset. <laughs> uh, but then the second one: if Lamar does sign in the NFC, and Aaron Rodgers isn't there, is he the best quarterback in the NFC? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. It's like him, and then right below that would be Hurts and. Oh, Jalen. Yeah, we got to put Jalen yeah. up there. We got to put Jalen up there. He's a really yeah. good roster. Jalen was better this past year, but mm-hmm. I would, if you were asking me to start a franchise, I would still take Lamar over him, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, would, I think he'd be the, the best quarterback in the NFC. And like, there's not that many good ones. It's the third best one, Dak. <laughs> Wait, I'm serious. We're going to do the top five really quick off the top okay. of our head because I know there's a lot of backups right now. So you would have, if Lamar went over to the NFC, it'd be Lamar. I'd put yeah. Jalen up there. You put Dak. Yeah. And then right. fourth, Matthew Stafford. He looked cooked. That's my issue. He didn't look he good. Did. He did. He did. He did. He just got injured. So nobody remembers. But it was basically Russell Wilson out there. I mean, it was better than that, but it wasn't. It, he also had Sean McVay. So, you know, it, it wasn't good. Um, man. Gino? Oh, Gino. Yeah. All right. I should and give Gino I don't know where we <laughs> like, think of the quarterback. Cousins, cousins at 1 p.m. <laughs> cousins at 1 p.m. <laughs> I mean, you're already getting to Kirk Cousins as your fifth best quarterback. You go to the AFC, and it's like your fifth best quarterbacks 
what Trevor Lawrence or in this situation, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I need him to. It, it almost feels too good to be true with how things are going so quickly with the Jets. I want that to fail. I don't want him to go to the New York Jets. It would be fun in the AFC East I to watch that. I think Rodgers retires and Jimmy G goes to the Jets. That's my prediction right now. That's and we it. know I, I got very close to the Super Bowl. So we know I'll come very close to this. So, <laughs> but it, maybe it's not Jimmy. Maybe it's somebody who's just like him. Look, yeah, it won't be Lamar. I mean. If I was the Jets, I'd be in. Why wouldn't I be in on Lamar? You should be in. You're doing all this courting of Aaron Rodgers. Who's going to, what, play one year with you? Maybe two? Like, go get Lamar. <laughs> you know what would happen with the Jets, though? If Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets, it would be the year that Aaron Rodgers just fell apart. And he was absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, we need the exact same Brett Favre saga where he goes to the Jets one year, he does pretty good, then gets hurt and sucks the second half. And then they cut him and he goes to Minnesota and he has a late career revival with the Vikings. I want every great Packers quarterback to spend his last like two or three years with a division opponent because I think that's funny. Yeah, it's funny because I saw it on Twitter. I'll give uh, Malik Wright the credit. He says for Aaron Rodgers not wanting to be anything like Brett Favre, he's really following falling into Brett Favre's footsteps because they played for the Packers for a long time. Now go play for, you know, another team right before you announce retirement. It just feels too good to be true. I could be completely wrong, and there could be an announcement for a trade uh, with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, but it just feels like, yeah, they're flying out. They're going to go see him. I I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Favre, definitely not a darkness retreat guy. No. no. <laughs> they're, they're actually two different kinds of people. To be <laughs> they're following similar paths. They are not similar people. No, they're not. <laughs> wow. I just had that flash before my eyes right now with Brett Favre. Um, and he didn't make that. it the full, what, he was supposed to be in there like four days, and then he'd do like a day and a half in the darkness oh, retreat, which so, I don't uh, think I could do a day and a half in the darkness retreat. I'm not trying to say I would have done better. I'm trying to say, you say you're doing four days, dude. At least make it three. So what you I like, make it halfway. Yeah, I'm a little surprised because that was such a big deal that he was going to be down there for so long. And it actually looked pretty cool. The photo from the report story that the the I'm, I'm not giving her credit for her name. Um, I want to say where ESPN did the did the story on it and it looked really cool. So it's unfortunate he didn't finish his four days. It'll probably feel like darkness if he goes over the Jets. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They have a good defense. Uh, but there's more. I actually want to get to the Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones contract. Definitely came down to the wire. That announcement came right before the deadline for the franchise tag. And how that impacts and the other contracts that are out when it comes to Joe Burrow's contract extension next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is my favorite time of year because the NFL doesn't have an offseason. You get to the franchise tag deadline. All the reports are coming out. Nothing is official. The tampering is kind of happening behind the scenes. But again, the announcements won't happen until free agency, which is a week away. And I can't wait for that madness for NFL free agency. But we'll start with NFL quarterback contracts that did happen today. 
Daniel Jones, uh, four-year deal. Right now, it's showing as $82 million guaranteed. So a little over, about $40 million a year. And that's absolutely insane when you talk about Daniel Jones. If someone would have told you in 2023, right before the season started, that Daniel Jones, you didn't see the this past season, would get $40 million guaranteed, what would you what would you, you think? You mean forty million a year? Forty million a year. Forty forty yeah. million a year. What was like it? ninety guaranteed. Yeah. Um. Uh. I don't know because my reaction to that is what? Uh, I I've had that reaction this entire time. This isn't like a, a years ago. I thought that, and now I think it's a great move. I don't think it's a great move. <laughs> we'll see. What's the quarterback middle class? Why is it five million dollars under? Patrick Mahomes per year. I know that some of this is like funny money and it's not real. And, you know, they can cut him after two years, but I don't care. I see that deal. And I just think like, man, I just can't imagine paying that knowing you are about as handicapped as the chiefs are with Patrick Mahomes and being okay with that. Cause you're not going to compete to compete with like a chiefs level team. You need to have an advantage somewhere or at least be nearly as good at quarterback, and they won't be. I mean, Daniel Jones is in our top five of the NFC quarterbacks, didn't even come up. <laughs> I don't know where he would. <laughs> is he above 10? We didn't even – we didn't bring him up, and I didn't – I forgot all about him. I wouldn't – I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. <laughs> sure. I mean, if you were going to choose, I, I would go Kirk too. But the thing is, when a quarterback signs an extension, one of the things I hear is, what's Joe Burrow going to get then? What's Justin Herbert going to get again? We don't know what that number is going to look like. I know Duke talked at the Combine. He seemed really optimistic and, you know, had his quotes of saying, um, this is why Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. He really, you know, he he gets kind of what, what goes into the future of this team, this roster, and all of that stuff. But we still don't know what it's going to look like when it comes to the deadline. It's not done yet. But just hearing from Duke, he sounded optimistic. There was a quote uh, Paul Daner actually said on here that podcast girl and he said any contract signed after March 31st can push the escrow of the guaranteed dollar to the following year so maybe that's why this hasn't been announced yet I know a lot of contract extensions we don't really hear about until training camp uh, sometimes preseason and um, any NFL extension with the Cincinnati Bengals is done before the season regular season starts so um, at the moment I don't know what that looks like for Joe Burrow, but if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're looking at some of these numbers that are happening and they know they're going to go up for a lot of quarterbacks who shouldn't get the money that they're getting, do you want to get this done before free agency starts? Or is this something that you're like, you know what, we can wait another three weeks if that money can be pushed to another year uh, when it comes to the escrow guaranteed money? I've been saying I don't think it matters that much to do this before free agency. You probably have in your mind what it's going to cost and you're just trying to hammer out some details so to me push it push the escrow down it probably depends on what burrow really wants does he want a lot of guarantees if he does you push it if he doesn't you can get it done now and then have a concrete number i just i don't think this team likes to roll over money and i think they will again so i I don't think that they are going to spend so much that it's going to have any effect on Burroughs extension, at least for this year. Maybe they need that figured out a little bit for the next couple of years. But to me, I think they have that whole thing in mind and are just, you know, like it's going to cost about this much. And if we're a few million off, that's why we keep so much in reserve. Uh, or that's, you know, extra money. Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> you know? uh, but uh yeah, I, I, I don't think it matters too much. It seemed like they kind of felt that way because they didn't say he was the priority to get done before everybody else. Um, I don't know if they meant free agency or if they meant other extensions, but that came to mind as a, okay, <laughs> you know, that's a, uh, they're not too worried, <laughs> which we probably shouldn't be. You have to wonder because obviously these contract discussions are going to happen behind the scenes, but maybe they even have like their own, like, Hey, we're, we're going to agree to this. 
this isn't finalized yet, but the two sides, the agent, uh, Joe Burrow, the Bengals front office say, you know, this is when it's going to be done, or these are the few things we're still kind of working out. Like you mentioned, when it comes to, um, you know, what, what do the guarantees look like? What's he want to get, you know, this season or what's he want to get um, the following year and, and just kind of the outlook of the contract. It's going to be really telling for me personally when I see the length of it, if it's a long-term contract like a Patrick Mahomes or if it's a four to five year contract. Um, I think that's what I'm really going to be looking for more than the numbers because Joe Burrow deserves every penny. One thing that that's um, a little interesting here, and maybe it's just a coincidence because players are in Cincinnati a lot. T Higgins, he's currently in Cincinnati right now. Um, you wonder if those contract extension talks are happening. That might be something that they focus on for next season when they begin the Jamar Chase discussions too. But hey, it doesn't hurt to go ahead and get those started, at least start the conversation with uh, T. Higgins' side. But we do not know anymore when it comes to the guys who are up for contract extensions, if that's going to happen. I think next week is so big when it comes to their own free agents. And we've talked about it before, kind of what that outlook's going to look like. For me personally, I think your biggest guy is Von Bell you want to make sure that he is extended. If Von Bell isn't extended, I'm not going to lie. I'll be a little nervous about the safety room. <laughs> well, they might, I assume they'll at least try to bring in a Von Bell like player, although they won't know the system and you won't be as confident to project their abilities to perform at the same level as what they were able to do before. So I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm into the Von Bell thing. I did just get like, the Google phone has like little news things that it seems like you're interested in. And it, it had one come up and it was like uh, a Broncos like player watch Von Bell. And I was like, stay away. <laughs> Whoa. I'm not interested, Google. You only got half of it. I'm interested in Von Bell, not the Broncos signing. He, they're, they're always, it's always listening. It's always listening to us. Um... I, I mean, I think it's using, <laughs> I think it's using like my, search history or something i don't think it's it could just be listening i talk a lot about it but i assume i've googled just von bell before and i'm like ah it knows i'm a Bengals fan i google all types of weird Bengals stuff like i'm always looking at the 2000 whatever Bengals, and they know i'm a fan I want to go to the combine talk now because that was uh, that just felt like a lot of people had a different opinion. We've talked about it on our February podcast. We said, look, your mind is going to change after the combine. Mine's going to change after pro days. Mine's going to change after the NFL draft or right before the NFL draft when free agency is happening. Um, and I think a lot of people change their mind on a few players. I'll be completely honest with you when it comes to the tight end room. Um, it really feels like that is going to be a major focus for the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, they only have Mitchell Cox under contract right now. So it's tr extremely important to make sure that you either bring Hayden Hurst back or maybe this is a guy you get where you can get a tight end the first or the second round or maybe even the third round. Um, we've talked about the discussions and what that really means when the front office is meeting with the player at the combine. Does that mean anything informal, formal um, in the long term? Are they just trying to find more information out? But Michael Mayer. Had a lot of good things to say about Hootay Stadium, as they like to call it, call it. And he said that he would like to catch footballs from Joe Burrow. And then you look at the other tight ends that they met with, um, their numbers, what they were able to do on the field. And I felt like it kind of changed Bengals fans' mindset on, on what tight end they were looking for, which one they wanted. When you saw the numbers, the 40 times, all of that fun stuff from the combine, what did you think of the tight end room? And did your mind change? <laughs> So I think the big one is what Darnell Washington getting a 99 RAS score. He ran like a four, he ran a four, six, five, 40. He, he even killed the short shuttle, which actually surprised me. The other number is somewhat surprising, not overly surprising. I was like, but you know, he's not that fluid. He's not a guy you watch and you go like, wow, look at him. Like cut, real makes a hard cut here and he's fully in control and stuff. He's got baby deer legs sometimes, right? <laughs> you know, he's got a lumber in, he's, he's fall, not falling over, but you know, just kind of like, he's not moving as well as I feel like he should be. Cause he's like six foot eight and 280 pounds. It makes sense. So him to do a short shuttle in less than four seconds, I believe, or at least it was one of the top numbers. Crazy. Uh, that's the one that's really intriguing. It shows maybe he has but for the future. I think he performed better at the combine than he looked on film, which is a good and 
also something to keep in mind that maybe that's not how he actually is. Uh, but then Michael Mayer only is an above average athlete, which is what he looked like on film. I, that's the thing. It's like not shocking. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what he looked like. I don't, I don't understand the big deal. The, the reason to get him is not because he's some insane athlete. The reason to get him is production and technique and um, what he can become. So I think that turns some people off of him. And I know there's some people out there that only want to do elite athletes and 99 RAS scores and whatnot. I still have Michael Mayer slightly ahead of Washington. I always thought Washington was going underrated because he's, I think the only tight end I'd feel good about putting in line every snap and letting him block. Even guys that like are getting called baby Gronk and, you know, whatever. It's like, they're not, I don't know. I, Michael Mayer's fine at blocking, but I wouldn't trust him in line to do all that stuff. And Notre Dame didn't. They brought in a bigger guy to do that stuff, and he would be off ball to go uh, run across and block somebody on the backside. So that, yeah. For tight ends, it didn't change my mind too much. It made me wonder who Zach Koontz is for the most part. That's that's the main one. He, he is supposedly the most athletic of all time with his 100 RAS score. And then there's a few other guys that perform really well that I haven't watched. I just watched um, Sam Laporta for the first time. He performed pretty well. And I just watched Tucker Kraft for the first time. He performed pretty well. And neither one of them looked, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be seeing for some of these tight ends, but you know, like they look like good athletes. Neither None of them look like Darren Waller out there to me. All right, this is what you're going to try to see. The Bengals are in the red zone, and it's second and 10. Joe Burrow out there. All of his wide receivers are out there. Which tight end from the combine or in college is going to catch the touchdown pass in the red zone? Which one do you trust? Uh, yeah, Mayer's only 6'4". I think that was – and he has short arms. That was a surprising thing, but I trust him. Um, don't think I could trust Washington to come down with that ball right now. He's very raw as a pass catcher, even though he's an awesome everything else. Definitely trust uh, Dalton Kincaid. 1.6 career drop percentage. Insane. Next closest is 4.3. So more than half or less than half of that. Um, and that might be it of guys I would, I would just trust to be a good enough receiver to get out there, get open their first year and make that catch is pretty much just Mayer and Kincaid, I think. And that's why they're two of the guys you want to discuss in the first round. And then the reason you're not discussing Washington in the first round is because you're not in second and 10 because he blew somebody up and you're in second and three. <laughs> that's true. That's true. When people talk about Washington and they bring up offensive line, they're like, he's like an offensive lineman, but he's a tight end. I'm like, oh, he is, no. though, he's the only one I've watched that I actually feel that way. Like you could make a strong argument that he was the best blocker on Georgia for Georgia. And they got a first round prospect at left tackle. That's see, that's when I heard that discussion this past weekend and they, and they talked about him and I'm not, I'm not trying to get too hyped because um, I don't want the combine to be like one of those Just things. Think about like, his receiving. If you don't want to get too hyped. <laughs> yeah. Because we talked about that on the podcast when you first watched his tape and Michael Mayer and we were doing the comparison, you were like, okay, do you want somebody who's ready right now or someone who's going to take a little bit time when we think of the mm -hmm. tight end possession or position and catching the football. And I was like, no, I want someone right now. I don't want a, a developmental piece, but I, but at the same time, he has traits that I really want on this team. When I think of the offensive line, when I think of blocking, I'm like, wait a minute, they need a tight end like that. Right. They don't need Michael Mayer. Well, if they sign. Yeah. If yeah, they're there. If they, Hurst, if they sign Hurst, they don't need Michael Mayer. Yeah. For this year. But if they don't, they don't, they don't really have a guy that can do it. They, they, <laughs> they actually would need them. I expect them to sign a free agent tight end just because most of these guys take time to develop. I think Mayer is a plug and play. That's the advantage of him is right in there. It's almost like when the Steelers, you know, they drafted Fryermuth and plug, play, he's going the entire time. And like, it's not elite level play, at least yet, but he plug and play and he's a starting level tight end. That's good to have. Um, not to say Mayer's not better than Firemuth was as a prospect. I think he is, but uh, that's a similar idea where they both come in pretty ready to go. While Washington, 
he'll play, but he's not going to catch a lot. You know, <laughs> you you bring him in, he's probably going to be blocking <laughs> for the most part. And then, uh, I mean, there's stuff you can do with that to get him the ball. And he is good with the ball in his hands. He hurdles a guy. And that was pretty sick. Although I always get nervous about this. Tight ends like to hurdle people. I have no idea why. Like out of every position group, tight ends are the guys that think they're invincible. Wasn't it like 37-year-old Vernon Davis trying to hurdle people for the uh, Washington football team? <laughs> I was like, dude, you're way too old to be doing this. I mean, Hayden Hurst did that a lot. Yeah. It would make me so nervous. Um, I'm not when, Her- when Hurst just puts his head down, he's just running people over. It's great. And then once in a while, he gets the, he gets the idea, like, I'm going to jump this guy. <laughs> it's like, no, Hayden's both, well, at least keep a foot on the ground. <laughs> They're not both going up. There's actually more I want to get into with the tight end position and some of these prospects, offensive line, running back, and then we'll try to get to the defensive side of the ball from the combine next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Plenty to break down from this past weekend's NFL Combine. We're going to stay with the tight end position. I know we just talked about it. Hey, Bengals are in the red zone. Michael Mayer is going to be the guy that could probably come down with the ball. If you were looking at the first round of the draft, do you feel like tight end one kind of changed in the eyes of the NFL when it comes to that round? Or is it going to be more of the pro days in um, a few more weeks until you can really decide like, okay, it's going to be Darnell who's tight end number one, or Michael Mayer may be available early in the second round. Do you think both of those guys go in the first round? I think they both go. And I think Kincaid might go too. Um, I don't think Musgrave goes because he wasn't as crazy of an athlete as people were trying to say. He was still very, very good. He was an elite athlete. He just wasn't clearly the best in the class. And he has like 700 career yards. So it's not... Mayor topped that twice in, in a season. You know, he topped it last year and the year before. So, um, yeah, I I think three tight ends go or could go in the first round. I'll say three tight ends in the top 40 picks. Like, if one of them falls out of the first round, he probably gets picked up early second round. Uh, so, I wouldn't – I would think all three of them. And I think it's just what somebody values. I don't think either of the three are, like, fully separated as like that has to be the first tight end taken you know like you're you're a fool if you don't take that one first it's well what do you need do you want a guy that just moves really well can't block but you're just gonna create mismatches because that's Kincaid do you want a guy that can step in and play right away and do everything that's mayor or do you want a guy that's gonna block like crazy and is very athletic and might become something in the passing game then that's Washington but they all three have a case and I don't, I think they're all same tier type of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I just can't wait for the first round to see where everybody goes. If we keep talking about these tight ends, tight end group, and it felt like Cincinnati that was really heavy when it comes to the meetings on what position group they were meeting with. Um, it really does feel like they're going to lean into the tight end position, but there were a lot of other guys to watch from the combine that, Hey, if they're available, even on the defensive side, they could change their way when it comes to best player available and, and who they decide to get in the first round. But we're going to go to the offensive line. And um, I know Bengals fans are kind of split down the middle. I think obviously if you can make your trenches better on both sides of the ball, that's the way to go. Um, that's the reason that they don't have two Lombardis right now. And it's extremely important to get there again. And um, you're going to have to bolster it up and we'll go to the offensive line prospects because it doesn't feel like it's a really heavy offensive line draft. We've talked about that before. There's going to be a few guys who go early, but when they get to 28, would the Bengals be reaching when you watch the combine or saw the tape and watch some of these guys from this past weekend, did your mind change on any of these offensive linemen? No, not really. Uh, Darnell Wright was impressive. I think I think he feels like a because I, I didn't think he was that athletic on film. And when he had a heck of a day, you know, he uh, what he's 94.5 RES was relative athletic score, which takes everything into account. He ran better. He came in at 340 pounds and still had that RES score. It's impressive. I think that would be the guy if I had to pick one of these guys to take at um, 28. The other, I mean, 
think like a Dewan Jones is interesting. I don't know. Did he do an, he didn't do enough to I'm trying to see. Did he do enough to get an RAS score? I know he ran. No, it doesn't. We don't uh I don't see one for him. So he ran and it was like below average, but he's 380 pounds. So being below average is actually good for him. And he's got 36, almost 37 inch arms. Like he came in looking like the freak that he is. So like, that's another one. I think, I think it'd be between those two. Anton Harrison is a guy that keeps getting mocked to the Bengals and uh, sure. He was an above average athlete at the combine. And I thought he looked like a round two guy on film. Nothing moved for me. The other guys, at least I can make the case as to why I'd really want them in round one. I'm not going to say it's a bad pick to take Harrison. He's got some production. You could argue he, I think he had one sack in two years. And Bengals fans love using sacks as an argument for offensive tackle play, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see that as a first round pick, but maybe that's just my valuation of it. Uh, maybe they can fix everything. He would get probably a year to sit behind Jonah because uh, he's a left tackle. So no, my opinion didn't move too much on any of these guys. I thought the one thing was that Darnell Wright kind of solidified to me that he is the best of what is probably was possibly going to be available. Yeah. I, I just have this feeling that, you know, of course, if, if a top offensive lineman dropped and they're there at 28, it would be really smart to go ahead and pick him up. And, and I think next week is going to be really telling for the Cincinnati Bengals because they're going to decide or they're pretty much telling us, Hey, they're either going to go buy a right tackle. And I still don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. Um, but just another, I, I've mentioned it before, Riley Reap, um, a little bit below a Lyle Collins when Lyle Collins is good. Uh, type of guy at right tackle. I don't know if they're going to move on from Lyle Collins or if they're going to bring him back more as a depth piece um, and not rush him back from his ACL injury. But I just feel like with right tackle, we don't know the direction that they're going to go, but they still have to look for Jonah's replacement going into the 2024 season. So yeah, offensive lineman. I wish it was a heavy offensive lineman draft because I want this team to get better and they have to get better at drafting offensive linemen when it comes to the future and paying these guys because we've talked about it before. It's Joe Burrow. You want to get T Higgins. You want to pay Logan Wilson. You want to pay Jamar Chase. And you're going to have to figure out how to draft your offensive linemen because they're going to be expensive um, and you can't buy all of them. So I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what they do when it comes to the draft with offensive linemen, but I'm still stuck on they go tight end or maybe they go to the defensive line and go to the defensive line in just a moment. But when it comes to the running back room, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. Uh, Smaj P. Ryan's a free agent. Um, it just felt like at the combine, we talked about it on last week's episode, that they didn't feel that they were strong about Joe Mixon returning for this season. Uh, they weren't confident. He's still under contract. Uh, they might change their ways, restructure it again um, with Joe Mixon to be determined on what they decide to do. But did any of the running backs impress you? Um, always got to mention the guy who runs uh, the fastest, so Devon A. Chain. He's like 185 pounds. So, you know, uh, he's, he's small, but he ran the fastest. So good for him. Can't really pass protect. He's small. Um, he's not overly elusive either, but you know, he's he's a breakaway potential. And he was the only guy to run low four threes, I think. Um, my guy, Zach Charbonnet, he did really well for himself. 96.8 relative athletic score. His 40 time was uh what? It was under four six, it was like four five six or something like that, four, five, six. So it was pretty much, what is that? I think that's above average for a running back. Like that's pretty good for him, especially because some of the guys that I thought would run better didn't run better. Even though Chase Brown had a really good relative athletic score, I was kind of surprised at his 40 time because on film, he's always able to hit the home run and break away, but then he runs and it's not anything wrong with running like a four, four something, but he ran a four, four something. And I thought he was gonna be a four, three guy. So there was a lot of running backs that just didn't really do anything. And then two guys that I think I already wasn't into them, but they kind of hurt themselves was Kenny McIntosh who ran like a four or six something. And he's already like 210 pounds. Can't pass protect. Isn't a good runner. He's a wide receiver type at running back. And I was just like, this is already somebody I'm not into. And then he didn't even run fast. And then, uh, 
Zach Evans, who did nothing besides come in at like 200 pounds when he was listed at 220 in college all throughout his career and then didn't do anything. He didn't run. He didn't do anything. Like dropped all that weight and then didn't run. Okay. I, I think he might have gotten hurt or something or all these running backs had some excuse about like, I'm going to run at my pro day <laughs> type thing. I like the guys that actually ran. So that's Ryan's like guys that competed went out there and did the, did everything. So I, I don't know. Some guy, Bijan was the one that I was like, you don't need to do this. And he was out there. He did everything. He did the 40. He did the, uh, you know, he did all the jumping stuff. He did all the drills. Gibbs did as well. I, yeah. Jameer Gibbs did all those as well. So like the top two by consensus. And then the guy I have in that same tier is Gibbs Charbonnet. They did everything. There's a lot of these like third round, fourth round types. They're like, I'm not doing this. I'll do this at my pro day. And I, I don't know. I don't like that. He's like, go do it. Good. The top guys are doing it. Bijan Robinson is doing it. He could do nothing and yeah. go in the first round, but he's out there competing. He could have pulled a Joe Burrow. I went to his press conference and then like, hey, I'm just going to chill in the rest of the time until draft day because I'm good. You know, I don't need to, to go out here and perform or anything like that. So uh, when it comes to the running back, it, it, it's another thing to watch next week for them. Um, you know, if it is someone that if they re-sign Samaje, uh, if they restructure Joe Mixon, or if this is something where they try to get a running back late in the draft. If you mentioned the third and fourth round guys, would you feel comfortable saying that Say they bring Samaje back uh, for a pretty limited deal. Nothing too crazy, but, hey, he, he can get a payday out there. And they draft a late NFL draft running back. Who would you feel comfortable with in maybe the late to third or fourth round? Uh, my third round guy is Tajay Spears, as long as he's still there. Um, and then my fourth round guy is Kendra Miller. So those two, Spears. I've talked a lot about having an article on he's like 200 pounds. That's the real issue, but he's good receiver and a great shotgun runner. I think he fits a lot of what the Bengals want. I do think he's like, he didn't run one of the many. Uh, I think he's like a four, four, five type. And you could probably, if he ran a four, five, Oh, I would not be like shocked or anything he's not really the home run at 200 pounds that you might think he is, but he's still, fast like he's not not fast he's still fast he's he's more so good speed than elite speed uh and then kendra miller also didn't run but awesome size speed combo on film you don't usually don't find a guy that athletic at that size and he's really young uh so those two in the third and fourth round i think i would feel pretty comfortable with them when you get into like the fifth sixth seventh round that's when i start getting uncomfortable because you know, you could look at a guy like Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn probably ate about seven pizzas and drank a, three gallons of water before he got weighed in and still was under 180 pounds. And he's five foot five. Like you're hoping for Tariq Cohen, I think is what you're doing with Deuce Vaughn. And like, that's fine. But I don't compare him to Darren Sproles because Darren Sproles was a freak. I mean, Darren Sproles, elite agility numbers under a four second, short shuttle under a seven second, three cone. And then he went and rep. 225 23 times like that's unheard of <laughs> doing that type of thing so uh i think third fourth round i still feel comfortable just pairing that guy with uh p ryan and letting him go the one guy that i think plays so much like p ryan that like keep mixing and just let that guy come in at p ryan at a cheaper price is roshan johnson from texas because he he's such a in college so it gets different in the nfl it's faster they bring some other types of rushes such a good pass protector. Texas does it right. Stan Drayton and um, can't remember the other running back coach. Shout out. You know, those guys are killing it uh, because Bijan too. They're both really good pass protectors. They're like two of the only guys that are. It's shocking a little bit with Bijan because I, I went into watching him thinking I'm going to have to hand wave some of that pass protection stuff away because these five-star recruits, they're not asked to pass protect, you know, high school, they're getting the ball every time they're on the field. They're taking a break on passing plays, uh, but no, he, he was really good at it. So that's uh, the one guy I feel comfortable if you keep mixing and you want to still have like a 60, 40 type situation going Roshan Johnson usually makes the right read. He's not explosive. You could do that. Uh, in the fifth round, shout out Kentucky fans. The one guy I would go for, 
two guys, I guess, is Israel Abanacanda there. That's the pit guy. He's a home run guy. Um, and then the other one, shout out Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez Jr. I think he has a place in this league. I don't think he's explosive, but he's powerful, stays on his feet, doesn't really – I didn't see any fumbles. Or I heard somebody say he fumbles. I don't know. I, I didn't watch every game. But, yeah, that's a, that's a guy I think has a place in the league just as a big bruiser. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about on the defensive side, but I'm going to push that to Thursday's pod, and we'll get more on the breakdown of that because it can change your mind on who the Bengals take at 28. Uh, when it comes to Joe Mixon restructure, do you if Cincinnati does it, do you think they do it before free agency starts next week? Oh, man. I have no idea. Uh, I don't. I To me, they – they would do it in conjunction with signing somebody maybe. I don't know though. I don't think they do it before free agency, but we'll see. I think they want to keep the options open that they might let them go. And maybe if you restructure, you can't do that. So, and I'm not saying they should or should not let them go. I'm saying, I think if Bijan Robinson was there at 28, they would heavily consider it and look at everybody else who's there and might take him. And if you take Bijan Robinson at 28, there is no reason to keep Joe Mixon because he's going to cost too much even at a reduced price. So just let him go and let him go find a new team. Uh, so I think they want to keep that option open. But, yeah, if I had to guess, I don't think they restructure it before the season starts. We'll see, though. Um, I think that'll be telling a little bit. If they restructure him, he probably stays. If they don't, I think he's still at risk of being cut. I don't think he gets cut before free agency. Do you think that could happen? No, I, I don't think it happens. They could have an agreement for the post-June 1st cut, um, but I just don't. I, yeah, at the end of the day, it'll probably more than likely be, um, you know, after the draft or uh, we'll, we'll really know what's going on when we get to the draft because I don't feel like free, agents gonna, free agency is going to be too telling for the running back room uh, because they could re-sign Samaje and that doesn't really mean too much as yeah. far as what are you going to do for your starting running back and Joe Mixon um, or if you get another guy. So I think when we get into the draft, they'll really figure out what they're doing with that position. And I think right now it's smart to just keep it as it is and then they'll make that um, important decision when it comes to the running back room when we get into the draft. But plenty to talk about. I'm pumped for agencies a week from today. All the fun stuff. New league year next Wednesday. We'll get into uh, the defensive side of the combine and more when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday's pod, but I know you're busy over on all Bengals. What is up there? Uh, hopefully tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so tomorrow for us, yes. when you're listening today, <laughs> good pop over to all Bengals. I'm hoping I get my Michael Mayer article up. So I'm going to do one on Mayer for tomorrow, for Wednesday, or what? Yeah, Wednesday, March 8th. And then I'm hoping to also get Washington up this week, but we'll see. It's just a busy week. And then next week is busy for me too. I'm not in a good, not a good spot for doing this. Huh? I should have this figured out better. No, I'm sure the, the tight end pieces are going to do great for your Cincinnati Bengals fans. So I know they're going to want to check that out. Make sure you follow them too. Bengals underscore Sands, really good breakdown of all the prospects, players, um, and just a good Twitter follow. You can follow me at Ellen Diaz Patterson. I'm not the good Twitter follow. He is. Um, I said that in my name. So I just want to clear that up, but make sure you follow both of us over on Twitter. And thank you as always for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.